Good. Good morning again, everybody. Before we get started, I want to uh, take a moment, and um, he doesn't know I'm going to do this. I want to pray for Joey Ochagroso. Yeah, he's shaking his head. All right, that's why I didn't. That's why I didn't warn him beforehand. But Joe, would you stand? Could you at least stand up? I'm not going to call you up, but you can at least stand up, and everybody can look at Joey. Joey loves this, right? Now, if you don't know, Joey, how many years ago did you go first go to the Dominican Republic? Four years ago, Joey went with a school, and God just did something in his heart, and he feel, he's been asking God if he's called to missions, particularly to this orphanage in the Dominican Republic. And Joey's going to go again this Friday for 10 days. So I just want to take a moment to pray for Joey. You know, we want people to be missionaries. We want people to go out. We want people to have a heart for missions and for the lost and, and for helping. And that's what Joe's going to do. So take a mental photo of Joe. Most of you know who he is anyways. And uh, as he leaves on Friday... Um, even this week, pray for Joe uh, and, and pray for what God's going to do and what God's going to show him there. Let's take a moment and pray for Joe. Father, we just pray for Joe. Lord, I am so thankful for him. I am thankful for his godly attitude. I am thankful that he has a young man that is desiring and seeking out what you would have for him. I thank you that he's not compromising in it, Lord God. And Father, we ask that you would continue to reveal to him what you would have for him in his future, Lord God. Whether it's to be in missions, whether it's to be uh, in this particular place, Lord God, you know. I pray that this trip would make it all the more clear to him. Lord, we pray for the trip itself. I pray that there be nothing to delay his flight whatsoever. I pray no sickness would befall him to keep him from going, Lord God. I pray for his ribs, Lord. You know that the, the inflammation and the cartilage, Lord, that it would just go and it would not be a bother to him as he would uh, uh, go and minister in the Dominican Republic, Lord. I pray for the, the children that he'll meet there, uh, uh, the lives that he'll impact, Lord God. I pray that he would come home with a greater clarity of what you would have for him. I pray for mom and dad. Actually, Lord, I just pray more for mom. I know dad's okay. Mom worries about her children. She's a mom. I pray for Gina. And her, her would rest fully, Lord God, and knowing that you have her son in the palm of your hand. And you're directing him and growing him. So we ask your greatest blessing upon Joey and upon the Ocho Grosso family. And we say it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, Joey as you follow the Lord. Well, we've completed looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We saw all nine uh, facets, if you would, of the fruit of the Spirit. And now we're going to look at the admonition to walk in the Spirit. The word walk is peripateo. It means to behave, should be the first slide, to conduct one's life. To walk in the Spirit, therefore, is to produce the fruit of the Spirit in our daily lives. Daily produce the fruit of the Spirit. I have entitled today's message, The Negative Effects of Walking in or by the Spirit. Now, probably you're going, hold on, wait. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't seem to make any sense. 
Well, I've done so because in the book of Galatians, whenever Paul talks about walking in the Spirit, he does so in the negative tense. Before we begin, let's stand, let's pray, and we'll read from God's Word. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are our only hope. I thank, Lord God, of what the confession says. What is our only hope in life and death? But that I belong body and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, Father, we ask now, as we desire to give ourselves back to you, to live a life pleasing to the Lord, to live a life that walks according to the Spirit, that you would strengthen us, you would convict us if need be, Lord God, that we would make correction where we need to make correction and determination, determination through the power of your Spirit to walk as you would have us. Open our eyes that we may see wondrous things in your law this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text is what it has been, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. For you were called the freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And walking by the Spirit is going to become... is. We're called to do that as Christians. But if you think about the spirit of the age in which we live right now. I don't know if you... Yesterday, there were many protests around the nation about gun control. Now, I'm not here to pontificate about gun control. I have my views on that. But I'll tell you what they had were carrying signs, and they were chanting, Enough with your thoughts and prayers. You know, people say my thoughts and prayers are with the people of Uvalde, Texas. We see that there's a rise of hatred of Christianity. And so how we walk is becoming very, very important. We're either going to conform to the world or we're going to be separate from the world. Jesus said, that's it. There's no middle ground in this. Jesus said, either you are for me or you're against me. That's it. There's no in-between. 
And it is us as Christians who have been powered through the Holy Spirit to walk in the Spirit. And as I said, there's negative effects to walking in the Spirit. Listen to how Paul puts it. At the end of the list of the fruits of the Spirit, he says, there is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. He had stated this earlier in verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What law is he talking about? He's talking about the moral law of God. The moral law which is listed out by God in Exodus. It's how we are to live as believers. God is not opposed to the fruit of the Spirit. There's no law against it because if God had a law against it, God would be opposed to himself. He would be a house divided. God cannot be opposed to what he divinely grants to his children. There's also, I mean, how many of us, if we help out our neighbor and we rake the neighbor's lawn, the neighbor's going to go, you jerk. They're not going to be upset about it. They'll be happy about it, actually. They'll probably get upset the day you stop doing it. (laughs) Paul also gives us another example of the negative effects of walking in the Spirit in verse 16. He says, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So you see, Paul puts it in the negative context. The negative effect of being led and walking by the Spirit is to not gratify the deeds of the flesh. What are the deeds of the flesh? Paul had told us by way of reminder. Look what it says in verses 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The negative effect of walking in the Spirit is to not gratify the desires of the flesh. The negative effect of gratifying the desires of the flesh is to be under a curse. The negative effect of walking in the flesh is to be under a curse. This curse comes from God himself. It is to not inherit the kingdom of God. So we see that the negative effect of not gratifying the desires of the flesh is actually a positive. It's positive because not gratifying the desires of the flesh leads to eternal life. Now we need to be very clear here. This doesn't mean that if I obey a set of rules, that if I'm a good boy or good girl and I pull myself up by the bootstraps and I I find it within myself to to work against the desires of my flesh and I don't cave in, that I'm going to be guaranteed heaven. No, that's called the law. The whole point of the book of Galatians that Paul wrote was was this is the attitude that was within the church. They were saying, hey, they had these people come in who were called Judaizers who told them that they need to, yes, have faith in Christ and also 
do the law, particularly that of circumcision. That if you don't get circumcised, there's just no way you can go to heaven. If you don't do X, Y, and Z, there's no way you can go to heaven because the law says to do this. Paul says to them, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no value to you. Christ will be of no value to you. He says that in Galatians 5.2. So it's not living according to the law, living according to a set of rules. The fact is, living according to the law or the flesh have the same effect, eternal death. If I live according to the law, it brings death. If I live according to the flesh, it brings death. Romans 3.20 tells us this. See, Scripture is very clear on this. Romans 3.20 says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. This was the whole point of the Pharisees. They had all the boxes checked. They were doing all the right things. And Jesus actually said, remember what Jesus said? He said, you better make sure that your righteousness surpasses theirs. He didn't take away from the fact that they were doing what is right. When he says your righteousness needs to pass that of Pharisees, it's the heart attitude of why I'm doing it. Why am I? Am I doing it out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the only motive there is. Paul said earlier in the book of Galatians, in Galatians 2.16, he says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in, Christ, in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in, believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. To not be justified is to be under a curse. To not be justified is to hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. To be justified by faith in Christ is to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. So the question then is, how are we to walk as believers? Well, we're in a battle. This is a problem. How are we to walk? Because we walk apparently in two, two, two spheres, if you would. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, writes this in 2 Corinthians 10.3. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. Well, what's he mean here by walking in the flesh? He says the fact that you're a human being, the fact that you have flesh and blood, you are living in the world that is against Christ. It says, though we are in this world, we don't wage war according to the flesh. I don't react according to the flesh. I should not. Don't say I don't. I, that would be a lie. We should strive not to act in fleshly ways. He says, we wage war not according to the flesh. So how are we to walk? Loved ones, we are to walk in victorious warfare. We're to walk in victorious warfare. And we are in a war. If you don't believe you're in a war, if you don't have a struggle between the, the things of the Spirit and the things of the flesh, 
I'm going to tell you that most likely you're dead in your sins and your trespasses. If there's not a battle within you where you're being tempted at times to go against the Spirit, not follow the things of the Lord and indulge the flesh, and that doesn't bother you, or you have what, as Paul would say, is a seared conscience, you need to check yourself to see if you are in the faith. We are in a battle. Believers are in a battle, a constant battle. Galatians 5.17, he writes this, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are what? Opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Romans chapter 7 is devoted to this. Paul says, I'm in a battle. That which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't do, uh, I'm just, who's going to deliver me? He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're in a battle. How then are we to walk within the battle? We're to walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, so we walk by faith, not by sight. You may hear that said on certain preachers on TV, you walk by faith and not by sight. True on one level, but what do we mean by walking by faith and not by sight? It's really Paul, what Paul is saying. You could say it's 2 Corinthians 10, 3, that he's not waging war according to the flesh. So the weapons of our warfare are spiritual in nature. So what is faith? What does it mean to walk by faith? Faith, if you remember, is belief in action. It's belief in action. James makes this very clear to us in James 2.26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. James would go on to say, you someone say, I have faith, and I'd say, show me your works. Someone would say, show me your I have works, and I'd say, show me your faith. Faith and works are inseparable. Not works that earn favor with God. Not works by the law, but works out of a devotion of a love for God who saved me, who called me out of darkness and into his glorious light. My response is to say, I want to obey you, and I want to walk according to your spirit. So we are to walk by living out the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says in Galatians 5.25, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So Paul uses a new word here. Prior he was using the word peripateo, means to walk. A peripatetic teacher, perhaps you had a professor, a teacher, they would walk around and they would talk. That's a peripatetic teacher. That's what Jesus essentially did. He walked and the disciples followed. They literally, the idea of a disciple was to follow in the footsteps. They followed Jesus. And so we also are to follow. But here he says, let us keep in step. Stoichio is the word. It means behave or imitate, or to fall in line would be a a more apt understanding for it. I've never been in the military. How many here have been in the military? I know there's at least two here that have been in the military. 
Some of you have been in the military. You know what it means to fall in line, correct? What happens if you didn't fall in line? Right? It didn't go well, right? You were called to fall in line. Attention, and you're supposed to stand. I mean, I don't, listen, I don't want to. I don't know. But the idea is falling in line. That the Lord Jesus Christ has made a call. And we are to come and here I am. And he says, walk this way. We're going to walk this way. The idea of obedience, of falling in line. We must ask ourselves a question, especially within the times in which we live, in which so many are deserting the faith, turning to things, misinterpreting the scriptures, saying, oh, that's not true. Oh, that, oh come on, really? Well, I believe this about God. Well, I believe the Bible says this. The fact is, it doesn't matter what we believe the Bible says. In other words, my definition of it, my interpretation of it, what matters is, what does the Bible say? The Bible is clear and it speaks for itself. Scripture, which is, to, which is what the church is to do, is to be built upon, it's scripture, just like the, it's, it's the buttress and fortress of truth, just like the church should be. We need to stand on the truth. Scripture asks the question of us, are you falling in line? Are you falling in line? That's a question we need to ask ourselves. We are called to compromise day after day after day. We're being beaten down by the media, by the culture, who are just shoving godless things on us all the time. You encounter it everywhere you go. We're always called to make a decision, to make a stand. And so we need to ask ourselves, are we falling in line? 2 Corinthians 13.5, perhaps a verse you know well. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. Are we falling in line? When's the last time you've examined yourself? When's the last time you've tested yourself? What's the test? How do you test yourself? Open up God's word and say, this is what God says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How am I doing? How am I doing? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. How am I doing? Do I, I understand this is convicting, and I'm not saying like I've arrived. But these are some things we always have to ask ourselves. This is something the Scripture tells us always and always to do. Are we examining ourselves? How is our walk? The Bible talks an awful lot about how we walk, how we live, the manner of life in which we have. And I want to focus on what Paul says in the, to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, where I believe he tells us three things in which we should walk. We should walk in love, light, and wisdom. Love, light, and wisdom. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. It will also come up on the screen. But he writes this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God 
as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So we're to walk in love. Love is the anchor of the fruit of the Spirit. Out of love comes everything else. The greatest of these is love. So when he says to walk in love, he gives us a definition of what kind of love that is. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We would have to ask ourselves then, am I walking in sacrificial love? Are we giving of ourselves sacrificially for the kingdom of God? To be sacrificial means it's got a cost. It's not that it just, you know, we were talking in, in our, in our uh, uh, discipleship class this morning about uh, generous giving. And, and, and you know, if, if sacrificial giving means that it's, it's going to cost. You know, if I can afford to give 500 bucks a week, yet I'm only giving 200. And it's not, it's just an example. You know, I, I tell you again, you, this church is more than generous. It's not about money. Money is always a hard issue. That's always what it is in Scripture. But if it means nothing to you to be able to give 500 bucks a week, and that's what you do, then it's not sacrificial. You understand what I'm saying? It's got to, Jesus says, let, 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 let it. Let it cost something. How that looks for you, you know, because it cost Jesus everything to love us and give himself in a sacrificial manner. We have to ask ourselves, are we giving ourselves in a sacrificial way for the kingdom of God? Am I walking in sacrificial love? Am I doing it for my spouse, for my family, my coworkers, or that neighbor? Are we putting to death the deeds of the flesh to offer to God an acceptable sacrifice? Paul had earlier stated there, he goes, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Have you crucified the flesh? Are you in the process of crucifying the flesh? Paul, in Ephesians here, and I think this is part of an, a sacrifice to God to put the deed, put the death, the deeds of the flesh. It is a real battle. And, and, and that battle is when we win, it's sacrificial. When I fight against my natural self, there is a sense of sacrifice in it. Look at what Paul says are the deeds of the flesh. Again, in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. You think God cares about your sex life? I'm not trying to be gross, but he does. Sexual immorality, sexual immorality, sexual immorality. We live in a sexually immoral culture. All impurity or covetousness must not be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place. And how guilty am I of that stuff? How guilty maybe are you? 
He says, instead, here's a sacrifice. Instead of joining with the crowd and jumping in with the jokes, let there be thanksgiving. The same warning comes again, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And as to not make sure, he says, let no one deceive you with empty words. The culture will tell you, ah, oh, that's not true. The liberal church will tell you, oh, come on, that's not true. It's just a misunderstanding of, of, of God's word. They don't really interpret the Greek the right way. Oh, that's just not really the Hebrew word. No, really, it's this. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. I am personally convinced that right now, America and the church are under the judgment of God, and rightly so. A nation who promotes sexual immorality and slaughters unborn babies. How can God be pleased with that kind of nation? He can't be. It's impossible. And the church, for the most part, has brought into it lock, stock, and barrel. That's why we tell you so often, doctrine matters. What we believe matters. What you think matters. Christianity is first and foremost a thinking religion. what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ, what we believe about the Scriptures, what we believe about God's inspiration of His Word matters. Are we putting to deeds, putting to death the deeds of the flesh? Are we offering to God a sacrificial love of putting to deed, putting to death the deeds of the... I'm going to keep doing that, by the way. You know my dyslexia. Um, putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Isn't it to put the deeds, put to death the deeds of the flesh when I see a brother and sister in need and I have a schedule? Oh, I got to go do it. You know, I'm supposed to go meet somebody to go see a movie or I'm supposed to go have barbecue with somebody or whatever it would be. And you have a brother and sister in need. And instead of doing what you want, you sacrifice and meet a need. That's, a, that's, that's sacrificial love. The second way in which we're to walk is to walk in, in an exposing manner or within the light, or in the light. He writes in verse 7 of Ephesians 5, Therefore do not become partners with them. What? The sons of disobedience. For at one time you were darkness. I love that. You were darkness. But now you are, you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So what does it mean to walk in the light or an exposing manner? He tells us here 
to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So what am I supposed to do? Going around, that's wrong, that's wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. No. That may be part of it. But how do you bring the light of Christ to your daily conversations at work, at the pharmacy, at the checkout? When you have casual conversations and somebody says something, you say, you know, that's wrong. Do you back down and not bring the light of Christ within to the conversation? We get it. It might be the last conversation they ever have with you. But that's their problem. Do we live in a way in such that we are in the Scriptures and let the Scriptures expose our own darkness? Or do we bring Scriptures to conversations? As far as I can see, and I understand what the Bible tells me, that there's one thing that gives me the light of which Scripture talks about. Knowledge of God. And it's found only in His Word. Psalm 119, 130. The unfolding of your Word gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. And of course, Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. I will encourage you again, loved ones. Come to Bible study. Come to community group. Grow, let's grow together in our understanding of God's Word. Bring the light of Scripture to your own self, daily meditation within God's Word, reading of God's Word, the praying of God's Word, and the study of God's Word. Study privately, study corporately. Are we walking in light? How often we're so busy that God is often an add-on. I know there's been often times for me where I've been busy and then my scripture reading because I'm, I'm driving in the car and I put on the audio Bible. That way I can kill two birds with one stone. I can't really concentrate on the word of God that way. Are we walking in the light? Are we sacrificially walking within the light? The third way in which Paul says we should walk is that in wisdom. That of wisdom. Look at what it says in verses 15 to 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're to walk in wisdom. And of course, probably what comes to mind. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That is true. But where again do we get this knowledge? Where again do we get this understanding in the Word of God 
alone. Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony, another word for the word of the Lord, is pure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Paul, in this list of wisdom, lists throughout the things that make for a wise person. He says, first... Look carefully at how you walk. You either walk in wisdom or you are unwise. Wise versus unwise. That's verse 15. He says, instead of using my notes notes, I'll use the Bible like I should. He says, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. How are you walking? Are you walking in the light of Scripture? How am I walking? Am I walking in the light of Scripture, seeking to apply the Word of God to my daily life and to my conversations? He says also another way in which we walk in wisdom is to make the best use of the time. Making the best use of time. Why? Because the days are evil. You know the old saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Does it mean you can't take time to do nothing? You know, there's sometimes we're just sitting there and just going, oh, is okay. But do we make the best use of our time? When we're woken up in the middle of the night, we can't get back to sleep, and then we decide to turn on the television as opposed to the Word of God? I, I, I've been guilty of that. I'm not, actually, I'm not, please, I'm not up here in some ivory tower. Do we make the best use of time because the days are evil? This is another way in which work in wisdom, walk in wisdom is, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do you know what the Lord's will is? Some of you may be saying, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know the Lord's will. Well, I'm not talking about for your career. I'm talking about, do you know what God's will is for you right here, right now, today? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. That's the starting point. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Are we understanding what the Lord's will is? He says, to not understand the Lord's will is to be foolish, to be unwise. He says, another way in which we walk in wisdom is found in being drunk or being filled with the Spirit. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Bible is very clear 
But if we have something that alters our mind and directs us away from clear thinking, that God says no. Now, marijuana is legal in New Jersey now. Now, that, what do you do with that? It's a known, messes with your mind. Now, is there real people and real pain and real things that can benefit from it? Yes. I mean, I'm not. But if it's altering your mind to the point that you're not thinking correctly, if you're out, you know, well, I just have, you know, I just have to have a glass of wine before I go to bed. It just helps me unwind. You know what? Those are words of an addict. You don't need a glass of wine. You don't need, right? Maybe. God says to have something that overtakes your mind and doesn't help you to think clearly means that the Spirit is being pushed out. Rather be filled with the Spirit. Again, how do you become filled with the Spirit? The Word of God. The Word of God. Another way in which we walk in wisdom is to encourage one another. You know, we, we live in a complaining culture. Complaining. Democrats are complaining about Republicans. Republicans are complaining about Democrats. And everyone in between is complaining about everybody. Nothing's good enough. Right? You ever feel that way? Isn't anything? Have you ever said, isn't anything good enough? Can I do anything? I've said that. We live in a complaining society, a complaining culture. But do we seek to encourage one another? Look at what he says. Verse 19, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Do you address one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Do you have times of worship together with others? Is it wrong to talk about, this is what's going on in Washington, oh, it's, you know, the gas prices, and yeah, okay, I don't like gas prices. Can't say we can't, you know, this really stinks. What's going on? But do our conversations with believers end up in encouraging one another in the Word of God? Maybe even a time of worship? This is, you know, this is radical. This is something, I'll be honest, I'm not an expert in. You know what? Next time you get together with your friend from church, you're at Dunkin' Donuts and coffee's over, you say, why don't you do, say, hey, why don't we be like Jesus? When the meal was over, let's sing a hymn. Oof. See, now, I have to do that now. So if I ask you out for coffee, we're going to sing a hymn together. And who really cares who would hear, right? I mean, God knows that people drive around blasting Horrible music. Why aren't Christians driving? Well, simply because it's rude. He says also, and I don't know, you wonder why it's so low on the list, maybe, but I understand what Paul is saying. He says, he says, what about your worship of the Lord? Do you have a daily worship of the Lord? Look at what he says in the second half of 19. And making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you singing in your heart to the Lord?
Are you giving thanks always and for everything? Boy, it's hard to give thanks for everything, isn't it? How's our worship? How's our private worship? And finally, he says, by really what is order within the church, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Am I doing my part within the body of Christ? And am I actively part of the body of Christ? Am I serving and using my gifts in the body of Christ? How's our walk? How's our walk in a crooked and depraved generation? The negative effects of walking in the Spirit is to not gratify the deeds of the flesh. The positive side of not gratifying the deeds of the flesh, and this is the caveat, because I have submitted myself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is eternal life. Loved ones, how's our walk? May it be pleasing to the Lord Jesus. Walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for failing to walk as we should. Forgive us for going our own way. Forgive us for filling ourselves, making ourselves busy with the good gifts that you've given to us. Forgive us for not using our time wisely and filling it up with worthless things. Father, help us. We're in a battle. and We need your strength all the more. Help us, Lord God, to walk in a way that is pleasing to you. Lord, we want to do it because we love you. Because you spared nothing for us. And so help us, Lord God. For we know that when we walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, it reassures our hearts that we are yours. Father, you're totally worth it. You're worth it. Help us, Lord God, to be ones who endure to the end. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's stand. Let's close in a song. I invite you to grab your hymnals and turn to number 591. Have thine own way, Lord. 591. Give everyone a chance to get there. 591, here we go. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. 
Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now, as in thy presence humbly I bow. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way, wounded and weary. Help me, I pray. Power, all power, surely is thine. Touch me and heal me, Savior divine. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Hold o'er my being, absolute sway. Fill with thy spirit, till all shall see. Christ only always living in me. Amen. God bless you all.